There are two general categories of people who attend a local church meeting on any given Sunday. Do you know who those people are? Are you ready for it? It's those who sin and admit it, and those who sin and are unwilling or are tentative about owning their sinfulness. Two people groups and one common denominator. The common denominator is we all sin. I was just talking to someone recently, who shall go nameless, but she was she was talking about how difficult it is to be open and transparent at her local church, that she has greater connectivity with a group of folks that are outside of her local church than she does inside her local church, and she wanted to know, well, what can I do about that? Well, this podcast is about that because She's not the only one. This idea of transparency and being real appropriately within a close circle of friends, you don't want to be a, a, a person who blabs everything that's wrong with you to any person who will listen to you. But if you don't have a small group of friends, preferably within your local church, that you can't be open and honest and transparent with You have a problem. Now, the problem could be with you. It could be with them. It could be with both. But you need that place because you can do a lot of things by yourself, but sanctification is not one of those things. And so you need that place where you can live out your authentic life in front of other people who love you enough to accept you just as you are and are willing to come alongside you to help you transformatively, redemptively. And so I titled the podcast, Do Your Friends Permit You to Be Imperfect? If you want to read this podcast, you're welcome to do that. Go to rickthomas.net, and you can look for this article. It is there. You can type in our search box, Imperfect, or any version of this title. Do you permit your Uh, Do your friends permit you to be imperfect? And you can read this podcast in an article form. You can share it with anyone that you wish. I hope that you will do that. If you have questions about this, or if you have questions about something else, will you talk to us? Will you come to our free forums? If you're not a supporter of our ministry, that is fantastic. I want you to come to our free community forums and ask your questions, whatever they may be. If you are a supporter of our ministry, go to the private side of our site and ask your questions there. We want to serve you. We won't be able to do that if you don't ask. And so please come and let us serve you. I am Rick Thomas. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I'm going to get into this in just a moment, but I do want to give you an update. Some of you who follow our ministry closely, you know that one of our VAs, one of our virtual assistants, Julie, you have probably interacted with her in some form or fashion. Maybe you don't even know that because she does so much for our ministry that you would not see as she's working on the back end of our sanctification center, also called our website, but many of you know she was diagnosed with ALS a few months ago, and our other VAs, virtual assistants, uh, have been visiting with her. They made a trip to see her in the summer, and Rick and Lucia 
We had the opportunity just a couple of weeks ago to go spend time with Ron and Julie. They live in Washington State, near not about 30 minutes outside of Spokane, where there is, as far as the eye can see, this is farm country. It reminds me of western Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota is very flat, the western part of Minnesota, and and as far as you can see, there is just field upon field upon field upon field. Well, Washington State, central and and eastern Washington State is like that as well. Not flat necessarily. They're rolling hills, but it is farm country. And Ron and Julie live right smack dab in the middle of it. I have a, a special fondness toward farmers everywhere. It is an impressive way, uh, in my view, to make a living. And so I had a lot of opportunity to talk to Ron. He does listen to these podcast. So Ron, if you're out there on that tractor somewhere, I uh, hope you have a wonderful day and uh, you get uh, all of your plowing done. And And I hope you have a, a, a wonderful crop, whatever that next crop will be. It is, it is a hard job and it's a remarkable career uh, for all the farmers out there. And and I just appreciate what they do. We benefit from them, obviously, and we need them. And I appreciate what Ron has dedicated his life to do. But Julie has been diagnosed with ALS, and she's doing well. She has a slow-progressing illness. But she asked me a couple of years ago if I would go baptize her, and we finally have had arranged it and so we went up a couple of weeks ago and had the opportunity to baptize her. The Lord regenerated her about 10 years ago in a cow pasture as God began to work on her heart. You don't have to be in a church building to become a Christian. And uh, the Lord found her in a cow pasture and began to do a regenerative work in her heart. She was born a second time. And then she came to us a number of years ago and has been an invaluable part of this ministry, and it was such a privilege to go and baptize her. I, I would appreciate it, as if you would, if you would pray for Ron and Julie, specifically uh, that you would pray that uh, Julie's ALS, that God would have uh, something healing in mind, but there would be much grace uh, for her and her husband, and that would be wonderful if you would do that. I wanted to give you that brief update. I've mentioned this, parts of this at other times, but I wanted to give you a fuller update today. The title of the podcast, Do Your Friends Permit You to Be Imperfect? These two groups, the admitters, those who admit that they are fallen people and they do fallen things, this is a smaller group than the tentatives. The tentatives or the reluctance, those are the ones who won't admit or won't own. They won't create that that environment of grace where they can speak plainly and transparently about what's wrong with them. And so you have the admitters and then you have the tentatives or the reluctant ones. I suppose as long as Adam has fig leaves to cover his shame and until Jesus returns, it will always be this way. But wouldn't it be nice if things were different? Wouldn't it be nice if if you had a place where you were permitted to sin? I, I put permitted in quotation marks. I think you understand my drift here. I'm not talking about just being dumb on purpose with no conscience whatsoever. But we need a place where 
where we can wobble, where, where people are allowed to be themselves. Wouldn't it be nice if you had a group of friends who, who gave you the room to wobble, to fall, to make a mistake? Wouldn't it be nice to experience grace from others when you're imperfect? Now, perhaps you would not state it the way that I've, I've said it here, but you do understand what I'm saying, right? Are you actively creating context of grace where people can be themselves, which is holy, people can be holy, and unholy. We know that we can be unholy. Wouldn't you like to have a context of grace so you can be as you are, so you can help them change, so they can help you change? The truth is that we all live double lives to some degree. We can pursue holiness and sin in the same day, within the same hour, within the same minute. Our dilemma is not having a place or the relationships where we can live out the whole truth about our lives. If you cannot be who you are, you can never find the help that you need If you cannot live in the transparent reality of who you are, the community of faith will not be able to know you, to assess you, and ultimately help you. One of the beautiful things about our forums that I have appreciated for the many years that we have had them is that it is a non-combative place. It is a non-critical place, a non-argumentative place. It's a place where people can come just as they are say the things that they need to say, and receive the help without judgment, but with grace. Now, sometimes we say direct and difficult things to people, but it is a non-combative place, and we need our real-world relationships to be that way, at least a few of our close friends. The purpose of discipleship is to help a person grow into Christ-likeness. This good aim cannot happen If a person is unwilling to reveal his true self, or if his closest friends are reluctant to allow him to be his true self, I want to give you a few questions, and I want you to examine yourself as to whether you're living in this kind of grace with your friends. As you listen to this, now maybe you want to pull this aside and take a few extra moments outside of this podcast to reflectively think through these questions, I would love for you to do that. I would love for you to ask God to give you his perspective about you. There are 13 questions that I want to ask. Number one, when you hear about someone sinning, do you tend to think redemptively or critically? Number two, are you more apt to pray for the sinner or be neutral toward them? Number three, are you more tempted to criticize and gossip when you hear about the failures of another person, or or do you begin strategizing how to help the person redemptively? Number four, do you give off that roll-your-eyes attitude when you hear about someone sinning again? Number five, do you become impatient with people who disappoint you? Number six, if someone does something wrong, are you willing to go to them to help them? Or do you go to someone else so you can talk about the struggler? 
Number seven, do you explore with your sinful friends, hoping to help them in their sanctification? Number eight, do you allow your friends to explore with you, appealing, you are appealing to them to help you in your sanctification? Nine, are you more guarded or more open about your life? Ten, are your friends allowed to sin around you without your judgment or condemnation? Number 11, are you allowed to sin around your friends? Number 12, are you more apt to admit your fruit than your faults? This is what Facebook is all about, isn't it? We present the better side of ourselves to anyone that would, would care to look or listen or read or watch. Are you more apt to admit your fruit than your faults? The last one, number 13, do you perceive people's problems as an inconvenience or as an opportunity? Now, as you have listened to this list, were your thoughts on yourself or on someone else? Were you thinking about yourself and how you need to change? Or were you thinking about, yeah, oh man, I just wish my friends were, I just wish my friends were like that. Yeah, my church is not like that. These these people just they just won't they just won't do this. If you were thinking about someone else, you need to start over. Read it again. Listen to it again. Listen for yourself because you've already missed the point. The temptation for some will be, quote, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I wish my church was like this, end quote. Your first goal is to change yourself before you begin focusing on the failures of others. And so as you were listening to that list, those 13 questions that I asked you, where were your thoughts on yourself or someone else? You've got to get this right. Start with the log in your eye. We must state the obvious here. I sin. And so do you. This testimony is why we have a gospel. Christ came for sinners. He pursues the unrighteous. The extent and quality of our progressive sanctification are dependent upon whether you believe these truths. The truths are, I sin, and so do you. This testimony is why we have the gospel. Christ came for sinners. He pursues the unrighteousness of the unrighteous. The extent and quality of your progressive sanctification are dependent upon whether you believe these truths. If you do believe them, the extent and quality of your sanctification are dependent upon your willingness to be honest about the real you while creating a context of grace so your friends can be honest about their lives too. Without mature, mutual, and reciprocal Christian relationships that have a high view of sin and grace, you will stunt your growth. You cannot isolate yourself from the body of Christ and be spiritually healthy. The world of close relationships in which you live needs to be acting redemptively in your life, or your spiritual growth will be damaged. As odd as it may sound to you, We Christians are notorious for living lies, concealing secrets about our real selves. The condition of Adam has more power over us than the freedom of Christ. Please don't mishear what I'm not saying. I hate sin. 
I don't give myself excuses to do it, but I must be who I am among my closest friends so they will know who I am so they can help me. If I sin against them and they become frustrated or put out because of my sin, they will not be in a position to help me. They cannot be frustrated with me because of my sin and help me through my sin at the same time. Their attitude toward me will determine how redemptively they will be able to minister to me. If I feel or experience their impatience or their frustration with me, the likelihood of me being open and honest with them the next time is going to be slim. I want to be able to be myself around people who allow me to be myself around them. And then, when I do something dumb, and I will, they will have the grace to bring my ignorance to my attention so I can change. This type of relationship is grace in action, which is what Christ does for us every day. You know the verse, 5-8, Romans God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Savior pursued me while I was a sinner. This doctrinal point is vital. The Savior will not wait for me to stop sinning before he helped me with my problems, but he chose to love me while I was a sinner man. How about you? Are you willing to exercise redemptive care while your friends and family are sinning? Or would you prefer they they did not inconvenience you with their sinning? I understand this tension. It seems to me that my children pick the most inconvenient times to sin. Typically, when I'm ready to do something or go somewhere or I'm in the middle of something, that's when they choose to sin. It seems they never pick a good time to sin. Now, I'm not exactly sure when there is a good time to sin. When our close friends sin, we must choose to be like Christ. We must provide them room to fail. And when they do, it will be our cue to help them in Matthew 9:13, Jesus said this, love this. He said, "For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. My appeal here does raise an important point. Our attitude toward others reveals the kind of people we are looking for to be friends. Think about that for a moment. And let me read Matthew 9:13 again. Jesus did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. What kind of friends do you want surrounding you? Our attitude toward those that we want surrounding us reveal the kind of people that we're looking for to be our friends. Christ was looking for sinners. Are you looking for sinners? I hope so, because that's the only option you have. He was looking for sinners so he could redeem them. If you're not looking for sinners to cooperate with God, you cooperating with God in their redemption or their sanctification, When they do sin, you will be annoyed with them if you're not looking for them. I'm not suggesting that you allow me to be me without trying to change me. I'm not suggesting that you condone any of my 
sinfulness, my wickedness. That's not what I'm suggesting here. I'm appealing to you to allow me to be me so you can understand how to help me. If you don't allow me to be me, you'll, you'll never understand how to help me. That, that's one of the things that I appeal to those who come to me for counseling. Too often when people come to me, especially if they've been Christianized, the first thing they do is they start talking Christianese. They, they don't share what is really going on in their lives. They spiritualize I've shared the story before about the, the, the teenager that, that came to me, and I asked her, I said, what do you think about God? She said, well, I love God. And I said, well, why do you love God? She said, because he first loved me. And I said, would you stop it? Stop it. Don't say that anymore. And she looked at me wide-eyed, and it's like, what? why are you telling me to stop? I said, because you're quoting Scripture. I asked you if you love God. You said, yeah. I asked why. You said, because he first loved me. That's third-grade flannel graph for you. You've heard that all your life. I know what the Bible says. Don't give me Bible answers. Tell me what you are thinking. She said, are you for real? I said, yeah. And then she told me what she thought about God, which was a far cry from what she parroted to me earlier. I'm not going to tell you what she said because she cursed. But when she did, I said, praise God. And I meant that. Because she was telling me exactly what she was thinking. Imagine if I let her go on saying, well, I love God because he first loved me when she hated God in actuality. I would never be able to help her. If you do not let me be me by taking on a lousy attitude, if you take on a lousy attitude toward me when I do something dumb, I'll be tempted not to be me when I am around you. This young lady, she became herself when she was around me. And I was grateful. I didn't like where she was. I didn't like her attitude. I didn't like her word choices. But that was our starting point. And if I, if I showed her that I didn't like any of those things, she would cover up with fig leaves and give me Bible answers. And I would never be able to help her. Being perfect causes problems because no fallen person can maintain such a status. We must have enough grace about ourselves to allow each other to be imperfect. If you don't help me with my imperfections, there is a good chance I will not see them. And if I don't see them, there's a good chance I will, I will come to believe my highly edited version of myself, the person that I consider myself to be. If I am blind to my own blindness and I begin to accept that as my reality, I will never see who, I'm really, who I really am, the person that you see me to be, but you never speak into my life. You do not want to accept the highly edited version of yourself. And if you live in that kind of echo chamber, you're in a bad place. Frederick Beekner said it this way in his book, Telling Secrets, quote, It is important to tell at least from time to time the secret of who we truly and fully are. Because otherwise we run the risk of losing track of who we truly and fully are. And little by little come to accept instead the highly edited version, which we put forth and hope that the world will find it more acceptable than the real thing. I need you to be honest with me. To do that, you have to give me room to be myself. It's hard enough to be honest without the sinful responses of others, but when others are condemning or judgmental or frustrated or inconvenienced when I sin, 
they will mute or marginalize the redemptive effect of God's gospel. A sinful response to the sin renders the community of grace as a negative influence in our lives. The church should be a community of grace that expects immoral behavior when it happens. People are immediately mobilized to demonstrate the love of God toward the sinning Christian. In too many of our churches, the Christian does not live in this kind of practical grace. Because of this, they are keeping secrets about their true selves. It is a sad state of affairs when we are afraid when, when we are afraid that the Christians will find out the truth about our lives. God has not called us to be guarded, but to be free. It is incumbent upon each one of us to create environments of grace where God's children can not only live in the freedom the Lord offers, but also live in the freedom the Lord's children provide. I'm not talking about blabbing your sinfulness from the housetops, but you need a few close friends with whom you can be honest and transparent. Let's get diagnostic as I finish, wrap up this podcast. I want you to go back to the questions that I asked you earlier in this podcast. I'm not going to repeat them here. There are 13 of them. If you want to, you can grab this article and read them again for yourself. You can print them off. You can share them in your small group. That would be fantastic. I double-dog dare you to, to take these questions and talk about them in your small group. How awesome would that be? The article is, Do Your Friends Permit You to be imperfect. And so I would like for you to re-ask and rethink the questions that I, those 13 questions that I ask you. What is your assessment of yourself? Do you allow your friends the freedom to be imperfect? How about if you ask some of your friends, this is the conversation that you want to have within your close circle of friends. If you cannot have an honest conversation with your friends about these matters, well, you have your answer. There's either something wrong with you, there's something wrong with them, or there's something wrong with both of you. If you do not have the freedom to share your sin with your friends, or if your friends are unwilling to share theirs with you, you are in a relationship crisis the problem has to change if you want to mature in your sanctification. One of the first things I would appeal to you to do is to stop taking yourself so seriously. The gospel not only calls you to freedom, but it invites you to rest, part of which means experiencing release from the hypersensitivity about you and your life. I want to finish the podcast by sharing with you two of my all-time favorite quotes. I have shared them in other places, but they are appropriate here. I would encourage you to memorize them and make them your own. The first one comes from the book, A Gospel Primer. Here it is, a beautiful quote. It will serve you well. Quote, if I wanted others to think highly of me, I would conceal the fact that a shameful slaughter of the perfect Son of God was required that I might be saved. But when I stand at the foot of the cross and am seen by others under the light of that cross, I am left uncomfortably exposed before their eyes. Indeed, the most humiliating gossip that could ever be whispered about me is blared from Golgotha's hill. 
and my self-righteous reputation is left in ruins in the wake of its revelations. With the worst facts about me, thus exposed to the view of others, I find myself feeling that I truly have nothing left to hide. Milton Vincent from A Gospel Primer. This, this quote explores your functional understanding of the gospel, and if it has a practical impact on your life. This second quote explores whether you have a high opinion of yourself. It is from Terry Linval from the book Surprised by Laughter, The Comic World of C.S. Lewis. Terry Linval said this, quote, Laughter is a divine gift to the, hum- to the human who is humble. A proud man cannot laugh because he must watch his dignity. He cannot give himself over to the rocking and rolling of his belly. But a poor and happy man laughs heartedly because he gives no serious attention to his ego. Only the truly humble belong to this kingdom of divine laughter. Humor and humility should keep good company. Self-deprecating humor can be a healthy reminder that we are not the center of the universe, that humility is our proper posture before our fellow humans as well as before Almighty God. The title of the podcast, Do Your Friends Permit You to Be Imperfect? This is a strong call for all of us. Maybe we need to do things to impact our relationships redemptively. If you'd like to talk about this, please come, ask your questions. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.